Uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 5. I'm thrilled to be in Matthew chapter 5 and to be on verse 33 through 37. It is awesome to be there today, and we're looking forward to what we're going to take a look at today. Listen to this. If you think about it, it's one of the first skills we learn all by ourselves. It's a skill we learn all by ourselves, usually without the help of any parent or any teacher. In fact, we don't even need it modeled by someone else for us to learn this skill. It's as if we have a natural talent for it. And it grows automatically when we are young. You know what it is? After learning to talk, we learn to lie. After learning to talk, we learn to lie. Anybody in here a parent? Did it take that long for that little child to learn? Come on now. Don't, don't be the one who comes up and say, oh, they were just little darlings. They were just per Don't tell me that. I've been in VBS before. I know how that goes. You know, lying has been rampant in, in generations. And, and even in recent years, I mean, some of it's in very public plagiarism. Some famous authors have been caught. They, they're lying. Joseph Ellis, Stephen Ambrose, Doris Kearns Goodwin. I hope those are not your favorite author. Uh, how about with resumes, lying with resumes? I'm a sports guy. I love that stuff. And a number of years ago, a Toronto Blue Jays manager, Tim Johnson, was fired because he lied on his resume. He lied about his military service, what he had had done and not. And then Notre Dame, right? Notre Dame of all places. Notre Dame football coach George O'Leary was fired in just a matter of days because he lied on his resume about his playing career and that he had a master's degree that he didn't really have. Why? Why do it? Dan Rather, you remember him? Used to be, back in the day, kids, you won't get this, but there only used to be three talking heads back in the day, right? The major networks. And people would tune in and watch and be fed, hopefully, good things. But Dan, rather, a number of years ago, was interviewing a former president. And I want you to hear, I'm going to quote, here's what he actually said. I think at core, talking about the president, he's an honest person. And then listen to this, direct quote. I think you can be honest, you can be an honest person and lie about any number of things. What? Hello? I, 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 don't, I don't get it. And then I heard the greatest lie of 2022. Have you heard any lies in 2022? <laughs> Quit watching TV? Oh. Here it is. Someone said the Denver Broncos will not win the Super Bowl this year. It is the greatest lie. It is from the pit of hell. It must be. And David wasn't here for me to talk about the game last night. Dane, are you here? Dane's here today. Welcome to the Broncos, new era of the Broncos. Well, anyway, that was, I'm glad you laughed about that, okay? It probably wasn't a lie. They probably won't. They probably won't even make it, but, you know, we can hope. Hey, there's two authors, uh, James Patterson and Peter Kim, who wrote a book. Are you ready for this? The book is entitled, The Day America Told the Truth. And in the book, they estimate that 91% of us regularly trash the truth. 
Yet, on the other hand, we know that most people know, at least in their consciences, they know that truth is important and it's even necessary. In fact, I believe that's one of the reasons some people go to such great links to make what they say appear to be truthful, even if it's not. They're going to try to do that. You see, the problem is in being truthful. In fact, they will say, I swear on a stack of Bibles while lying through their teeth. Now, don't look at me all spiritual because this subject today hits every one of us. Every one of us that has a heartbeat today, it does. In fact, I thought about back to my childhood. Are you ready? Uh, go back to your childhood and let me just start something and see if you can finish it. Cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle. We used to say that. It's a schoolyard oath. I, I wondered why we say that. Did anyone know why we say that? I looked it up. It's because back in the old, old, old days, to make sure a person was dead before they buried the person, they would literally stick a needle in their eye. And I'm not even going to get into Ring Around the Rosie, if you don't know what that's about. It's about death and plague and all, you know, but we did that on the playground, right? Or another variation of that, it would be Scout's Honor. You see that? See what we're trying to do there? Or perhaps we've all done this. We've crossed our fingers behind our back when replying to something. Why would we do that? Well, let's find out. Let's look at 33 through 37, Matthew 5. Again, you have heard that it was said to our ancestors, you must not break your oath, but you must keep your oaths to the Lord. But I tell you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven, because it is God's throne, or by the earth, because it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, because it is the city of the great king. Neither should you swear by your head, because, I love this, you cannot make a single hair white or black. Now, this was written before hair coloring products <laughs> became a multi-billion dollar industry, okay? But look at verse 37. Jesus always takes it to another level, a higher standard. But let your word yes be yes, and your no be no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. Let's pray. God, please help us with our truthfulness, with our integrity. Please teach us today. God, we ask that you would convict where it needs to be and that we would confess to you and that we would be open to your word and we thank you for the best sermon ever the words of Jesus that are so applicable to us even to this very day in Jesus name I pray amen so we look at verse 33 and we see what I've entitled the error and it's I mentioned those antithesis that we're going through you heard this but I tell you this well we're in the midst of the six of them and you see it. Again, you have heard that it was said to our ancestors, and then Jesus quotes, and then he goes on in the next verse, but says, but I tell you, okay? So Jesus is spending time now talking about what comes from the tongue. And he gives us instructions here about the issue of vows and oaths. Well, why would you have to do that, Jesus? Because there was error being taught. 
I hate to bring it up again, but do you remember those guys, the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders of the day? Well, the Pharisees had interpreted, and Jesus quotes here, had interpreted Exodus 20, verse 7, Ten Commandments, Leviticus 19, 12, and you can cross-reference Numbers 30, verse 3, Deuteronomy 23, 22. It is all over the Pentateuch. And they interpreted this about lying and about oaths and vows. They interpreted all this in such a way that they distinguished between taking an oath by the name of God or by created things. Are you with me? Do you see that? Look at the verses again. You'll see that. An oath or a vow that we make by the name of God or by created things. The first was considered binding. Well, I would hope so, by the name of God. But they taught that the second one, oaths and vows by these other created things, eh, relative, not binding. We think relativism is new today. It's been going on forever. We just, it's in our face because we can turn our phone on or our TV or the radio or anything, and boom, it's right there in our face. But it's been going on, and that's what these guys were teaching. And I want to tell you what Jesus thinks about it. Go to Matthew 23. I'm going to read verses 16 through 22. Matthew 23, 16 to 22, much later in Jesus' ministry, and he gives us some more information. This is about those guys, the Pharisees. Blind guides, what sorrow awaits you? For you say that it means nothing to swear by God's temple, but that it is binding to swear by the gold in the temple. Blind fools, which is more important, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? And you say that to swear by the altar is not binding, but to swear by the gifts on the altar is binding. How blind. For which is more important, the gift on the altar or the altar that makes the gift sacred? <clears throat> when you swear by the altar, you are swearing by it and by everything on it. Jesus speaking. And when you swear by the temple, you are swearing by it and by God who lives in it. And when you swear by heaven, you are swearing by the throne of God and by God who sits on the throne. So what is the big problem, Jesus? What is the problem? Here's the problem. It doesn't work to do that. You can't characterize and rank certain things that are be truthful or maybe they're not truthful or not binding. You don't have to follow through with it. Why? Because God is Lord over all his creation. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. Thus, the breaking of an oath, any breaking of an oath, insults his name, whether you set it by his name or in this case by the gold or the temple or the altar or whatever else. Listen, they had a bunch of them. They had a bunch of them. The fact is this, the, the rabbis made a difference between oaths, making it more serious to break some of them than others. And you know what this did? It led to what I call evasiveness. Evasions of the truth, and it became less and less faith and trust in each other. Well, I guess so, if you're going to say something and it doesn't mean that it's true. So here's the big idea today. As we think about this error that they were teaching, that they were instituting, it's this. Jesus, I believe, is clear 
that his followers, followers should always be truthful and should not need to swear an oath to be believed. Did you catch that? If we are followers of Christ, if we are disciples, then we should attempt to always be truthful, and we should not have to be conditional and add in, uh, I swear this, or an oath, a vow, all those kinds of things. Maybe I could say it this way. Perhaps let's distill it down here. The follower of Christ ought to be simple, honest, and sincere. Simple, honest, and sincere. Listen, I don't want to be called a fool, a blind guide, all those things that Jesus was calling these folks. So that's the error. Let's go on to verse 34 through 36 and see the correction. Because as has been in the last few verses we've been looking at, Jesus says, but I tell you, let me give you my take on it. And we must go back earlier in this Sermon on the Mount and remember, Jesus did not come to destroy the law, but to do what? Fulfill it. Take it to its intended end. Complete it. And so here we have it. He's helping us again. As we know, as we've been studying in Jesus' time, the traditional biblical teaching had come under massive abuse. Not that different than today. The problem that developed was the fact that while the Jews professed to keep the law, they had introduced several oaths in their daily conversations that were not considered as binding oaths. What a great time to live, right? You could spout off and swear a lot of different things and not really mean them. They're not binding if you had the formula correctly. Hmm. Somewhere along the line, some rabbis began to teach that an oath was not binding if it did not include God's name or did not imply God's name. In fact, I would say their attitude was flippant. This flippant attitude about oaths and vows caused the Jews to be mistaken in their views of the sacredness of oaths. And you can go through the Bible and do a study and see oaths. In fact, God, did you know God used oaths? himself. But they had trashed it. They had trashed the truth. They had changed all these things. This led to the breaking of the third commandment and the ninth commandment. And Jesus said, in today's terms, don't do it. I tell you, don't do it. J. Vernon McGee, a salty old guy, from years ago said this, when a man says to me, I'd swear on a stack of Bibles a mile high, that is the fellow I do not believe because I think the lie he's telling is a mile high. Think about that for a minute. Yeah. This just came to me. Let me read uh, Ecclesiastes, assuming I can find it, five verses four and five. Listen to this. When you make a vow to God, don't delay fulfilling it. Because he does not delight in fools. Fulfill what you vow. Better that you do not vow than that you vow and do not fulfill it. The Bible often is very clear and concise. And so I think the application is simple for his, 
for us today. As Christians, if we're going to act like Christians, if we're going to say we're Christians, if we're going to live like Christians, true believers, then our character should be so authentic that we should not have to make a vow to anyone. Because why? Because we're honest and truthful all the time. We shouldn't have to put a condition on it. And yet we've all been guilty of that, have we not? I think we have. So we should be authentic. Secondly, we should keep. It's a strong word, but we we should keep our word and our promises. So going beyond just a vow or an oath, but we should keep it. What did Scripture just say to us? Not just keep it, but fulfill it as quickly as we can. Hmm. You see, an oath, no matter how strong the words used, are as reliable as the one who makes it. Did you catch that? The words we say are only as reliable as, guess what? The one saying it. We've all been guilty of sometimes being flippant or sometimes just saying things or spouting. One of the greatest things I think we could say is, I don't know. Or I can't say that right now. That would not be truthful. I'm, I'm not there. You see, there's all kinds of things. that we, Just to be more honest with each other, to be authentic and to keep our word and our promises. As followers of Christ, we should, we, we should never need an oath or something to bolster the guarantee. Have you ever heard that before? Things added to make sure you understand that what I'm saying is really being guaranteed. We don't need it to bolster or guarantee the truth of anything we say. In other words, our character should make an oath completely unnecessary. It should be able to be removed from our vocabulary. Our promise and our witness should be in what we are. I want you to think about that for a minute. That's a heavy application. That's an application that covers all ages all generations, gender, marital status, financial status, family of origin. I can go on and on and on. It covers all of us. So I want to do something today a little different. Right now, I want us to take a minute and reflect upon this application. So those of you online, it's going to get quiet for a minute, and we're going to get quiet in here. I just want to take a minute and let us pray and reflect upon this. Here's what I want you to reflect upon. Spend time with the Lord for a minute. Ask him to examine your character. And is your character such that an oath, a vow, we would say a conditional statement that it's not needed? Ask him if you are one who keeps your word and your promises. So let's go to the Lord in prayer for just a few moments, right where you are, just by yourself. Would you spend a few moments in prayer with the Lord?
God, we acknowledge you to you today that our words sometimes get us in trouble. God, I'm guilty of that. <clears throat> we all are guilty of that. And uh, God, help us to realize this, confess it to you. We're thankful for your forgiveness and your cleansing of all unrighteousness. And God, as we've been reminded in this best sermon ever, help us to more and more hunger and thirst for righteousness, for right living, and help our words and promises to be kept. Help our character shine through. God, our world needs to see that we are different in this way from what they're encountering. So God, help us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for doing that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so we have the, the error is presented and Jesus gives the correction. And then we get to a power-packed verse. Let's look at verse 37 again and see the standard. This is a powerful verse that Jesus, he says, but let your word yes be yes and your no be no. And then look what he says. Anything more than this is from the evil one. Do you see how simple and concise it is? The standard is always not complex, and we just have to throw up our hands and say, there's no way I can do this, Lord. There's no way I can understand this. It's just too mysterious for me. No, it's very simple. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And anything that's not that is from the evil one. Do you know who the evil one is? We do. Satan is alive and well, and he's prowling around, and he will do anything that he can. Yes, you're a Christian. Yes, you're saved. Yes, he cannot deal with you eternally, but while, temporally while you're on the earth, he can deal with you all the time. And one of the best ways that Satan can get inside the witness of Christians is for them not to be totally truthful. Hmm. So there's the standard, and I love how in this best sermon ever, Jesus he clearly gives it. Remember, he came to fulfill the law. There is only one ideal oath, one ideal guarantee, and it's what comes out of our mouth, our word. How does that line up? Now, you can read the book of James and get a lot of things about the tongue and words, but I want to read to you one verse, James 5, verse 12. Now, above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. I think that pretty much covers it, doesn't it? And look what James says. Your yes must be yes, and your no must be no. And he tells you why. So that you, me, won't fall under judgment. Anything else, Jesus says, comes from the evil one. Yes, it does. James uh, commentates on that. How does he do that? He says, there's going to be judgment if you don't do that. You see how that works. Any humans here today? Raise your, let's see, I'm going to find out who's listening. Raise your hand if you're a human. I'm going to look. Okay, you're not a human. Keep them up. Oh, now you raise it, bud. All right, I got you. All right? Okay, you're not a human back there. You got a nice shirt on, but you're not a human. All right, okay, good. Put them down. You get the idea. If you're a human today, I'd like for you to listen to me. Because I am a human along with you. Here's the problem. Scripture gives us the problem. Jesus, the standard is simple, but here's the problem. You might want to jot these verses down. Just picked a few. Psalm 116.11. Hear what the psalmist said. 
In my alarm, I said, everyone is a liar. That's a problem, isn't it? Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So there's a problem. We're all humans. We're all susceptible to not being always truthful. Why? Because sin entered the world and it enters us. Every person who's ever born, it enters into them. We're humans, remember? So that's the problem. But you know what? I hate preachers who give you the problem without giving you some good news. Here's the good news. Good news for us. Romans 3, 4, the first part of verse 4 says this. God must be true even if everyone is a liar. That's good news to me. The scripture says everyone's a liar, but then the scripture goes ahead and said, God must be true even if you're all liars. Wow. How do I apply that in my life? We worship and we follow the one true God, the author of truth. The holy, perfect God. Isn't that awesome to think about? But there's more good news. Titus 2.2 2 was a verse that helped lead, lead Steve McQueen to salvation very late in his life. Are you ready for it? Titus simply says this. I loved it. By the way, I loved it. I think I've told you before, but you get in a conversation with somebody and they're kind of apologist or they, they're not interested in your God and all that. And I said, let me tell you one thing that God cannot do. Boom, it gets their attention. What? I say, God cannot lie. Well, how do you know that? It's right there, Titus chapter 2. Good news, Proverbs 12, 22. I love this. Listen closely. Meditate on this, this verse this week. The Lord detests lying lips. Don't meditate on that part. You'll be depressed all week. But listen to the rest of the verse. But he delights in those who tell the truth. If my Bible, if God's Word tells me that He delights in those who tell the truth, it tells me it's possible. It wouldn't be there otherwise. That God can and does delight in the truth when I, am, when I am using it. So we can do that. So yes, there's a problem, but let's not stay there. Let's look at the good news. God can solve this for us. Now back to verse 37, we see this double yes, yes, and no, no. Did you catch that? Why is it written that way? It's a Semitic expression. Here's the best way it's translated. Let your yes always be yes, and your no always be no. This uh, expression, this double yes, yes, no, no, denotes that which is fully sincere. Are you catching another layer there? Not just that it's truthful. Okay, I'm telling the truth because I don't want to get in trouble, right? No, it's sincere. And this expression also denotes simplicity. So there's two words that we can, uh, handles we can grab onto and hold as we think about our speech and being truthful is this. Lord, help me to be sincere and have simplicity to my speech. If more is needed, then that person may not be trusted. That's what that expression is telling us. It's also in present imperative tense, and some of you go, who cares? Well, the reason it matters is because it expresses a long-term commitment, 
Not just I'll get out, I don't want to be in trouble, so let me fess up. No, it, it's, a, it's an idea where it's a long-term commitment. It's a habitual action. It's an attitude or action that becomes one's lifestyle. Man, I'd like to be there. What about you? Then I got to put my hand down. Why? Because I'm a sinner. And it's difficult. We get tempted in these things. Or in the heat of the moment, we do this or that. Or we just blow it off. You ever heard that before? That's happened. Come on, that's happened to you, haven't it? I've said something, and sometimes years later, it comes up, and I'm like, ooh, I never followed through with that. Anybody? Anybody? Anybody have honeydew lists that don't? I've gotten in trouble before. Don't, don't say don't be truthful and, and say, I'm going to do it. And then a year later, it hadn't been done. Well, I just, that just got personal. I didn't mean, mean for that happened to me today. But I want you to see this simple expression. It, it's power packed because it implies, man, this is something you're going to, from the day you're saved forward, come on, make this a long-term commitment. Do it so many times that it becomes habitual. We think that word is negative, but it's not. It can be positive if the habit is positive. And have the attitude which leads to the actions over and over that it becomes part of the believer's, the disciples' lifestyle. Hmm. Let me say this to you today. Church, we don't need a vow. We don't need an oath. We surely don't need profanity to get a point across. Would you agree with that? We, we just don't. Let your yes always be yes and your no always be no. Perhaps our prayer should be this. Psalm 141.3 Lord, set up a guard for my mouth. Keep watch at the door of my lips. You see, that acknowledges that, hey, I, I can't do it on my own. Lord, work through me. You put the guard post up. You, you set someone at the door of my mouth, my lips, my tongue, and all that, and, and you, you guard that. So yes, I said that uh, we don't need a vow or an oath or anything else to get the point across. But I want to tell you there is a greatest word, and you may even call it an oath. There is a greatest prayer. And that's the words from our heart the prayer for salvation. God desires that. God works in our life. That he, he draws us to himself. You're not here by accident. You're not watching online by accident. You may think you are, but you're not. He's working in your life. And if you are not yet a follower, a believer, a disciple of Christ, you can be. God can save you. From all your sins. What does that mean? From your failures, your mess-ups, just like the rest of us. We, we repent and we run to God and we say, God, I give you all that I am. All my failures, all my inconsistencies, all my untruthfulness. You name it, God. I give it to you. Please forgive me. Come into my life. Save me. Transform me. Regenerate me. And God will do it. Because His Word says that it will be so. You remember, whosoever will shall be saved. Now you think about that for a minute. 
God is willing to do that in your life if that has not happened yet. We call that the good news because God knew that we were sinners and he had this rescue plan for Jesus to come on earth and die on a cross for our sins, our failures, our mess-ups. And that by God's grace, the gift of God can come into our lives. Salvation. So I really want you to think about that. So I would say something so bold. If you're, if you're not a believer or follower of Christ, psh, say what you want. What? How can he say that? You don't have to be truthful because it doesn't really matter eternally unless you're part of God's kingdom, God's family. So I, I pray you that God will give you that trust, that belief to take that step and follow him. And for the rest of us, we got work to do. We have a standard that Jesus has given in fact, as I close, Jesus is raising the standard of verbal integrity, is what I call it. Because he says that your yes should be yes, <clears throat> and your no should be no. I've heard it said, a closed mouth gathers no feet. Anybody ever heard that one? Come on, did you have a grandma that said that to you? I've also heard it said that I got my foot in my mouth. Anybody ever said that? Yeah. We've made up cliches about it. We know it's there. Let us, as followers of Christ, be careful with our words. Let me tell you something else about not being truthful. Deceptions and lies can come back to haunt you and me over and over again. Now, I'm never going to be coach of... Notre Dame football. I'm never going to be a big league manager. I'm never going to be a famous author that might have plagiarized. But I'm a person. I'm a human. Remember, we're humans. And if we don't deal with that, I pray that God would convict us. If there's some deception or lie that has not been dealt with, that we might deal with that. And can I be so bold to say, even if the person is dead... I think we should still deal with it. Us and God, right? We should do that. And if the person is still alive, horizontal, us and them. Well, it didn't hurt anyone. Yes, it did. It hurts you every day. Deception and lies can continue to come back to bite us again and again. Let me illustrate in this way. There was a woman who stopped at the corner deli to buy a chicken for supper. You know, that's how they used to do it back then. Didn't have refrigerators and all that stuff. So she goes in and asks the butcher for a chicken, and the butcher reaches into the barrel, and he grabs the last chicken, and he slaps it up on the counter, onto the scales behind the counter, and uh, tells the woman how much the chicken weighed. And the woman thought for a moment. She said, hmm, I really need a chicken a bit larger. This one's not quite big enough. So she asked the butcher, do you have any larger ones? Without a word, he took the chicken, stuck it back in the barrel, fished around as if there was another chicken, and pulled the chicken back out, slapped it on the scales, and said, here, how about this one? It's a pound. It weighs one pound more. He lied. So the woman pondered that for, okay, a pound more. Her options, and then she said, you know what? I'll take them both. I'll take them both. Think about that for a minute. I don't care what it is or what 
condition we put on or what oath we use or what vow or what guarantee we make, let our yes be yes and our no be no. You know what the problem is sometimes? Some of us are not willing to let our no be no. Wouldn't it be, be if you're not going to do it or follow through with it, wouldn't it be better just to say no? Yes. Because when you say yes, we need to be truthful and follow through with that. I want you to think about it. Some of you know a little bit about, uh, well, I'm drawing a blank. Not living free. What's the big uh, Saddleback Church started it? The big uh, Celebrate Recovery. There it is which has swept the nation, it's international now, different a Christian approach to how do I deal with habits, hurts, and hang-ups, that's what it's called, addictions, different things like that, okay? And this massive movement, right? Well, not that long ago, in, in a big meeting, an unassuming guy got up named Charlie. He was not famous. He hadn't written the books, but he had been doing the work in his life. And the Lord had changed him. And here's what he said about the subject. You might want to write it down. I don't even know his last name. But he brought the house down. Say what you mean. Mean what you say. And don't say it mean. That hit me. I've heard those first two phrases. But maybe not the last one. Say what you mean. That may mean count to ten before you say it, right? And mean what you say, but a hallmark of the Christian is don't say it mean. What good is the truth if it's shared in hate, disgust, meanness, loathing that person because they don't understand this spiritual or biblical context or content, or they don't have this experience you have, or how could you not know that? Or how could you doubt what I might say, okay? Say what you mean, mean what you say. Don't say it mean. Let's pray. God, we're thankful for these verses of Scripture and for the challenge that's there. God, most of all today, I thank you for the good news that you are the one true God. You're the author of truth. There is no untruth that can come from your lips. Your word even says that the one thing you cannot do is lie. And God, I celebrate the fact that your word tells us that you delight in those who tell the truth. God, I want to be more like that, and I pray all of us do. God, I ask that in this quiet moment that we have, you'd speak to us, you'd reveal to us, is there someone we need to go to? Is there some habit or little gimmick that we've kind of developed that we really need to remove from our life. God, perhaps we need to have more simple and sincere talk. God, just work in our lives in whatever area it is. And God, I pray for those who have not yet uttered these simple and sincere words. God, I am a sinner. I repent. I run to you. Please save me. God, I pray that those words could be spoken truthfully as well today. So God, meet us right now in these moments of quiet as we solidify your truth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you stand just for a moment? Allow the Lord to speak into your life just for a moment longer. If you, if you want to come up and discuss or pray, we're here for you. We'd love to do that. Whatever seed God's putting in your life, this is the time to cement it down and to deal with it.
Would you do that? Let's take a moment. do an inventory of this past week where my yes is yes where my no's knows how truthful was I was there deception are there things that I kind of avoided I confess to you my lack of always being truthful. God, I pray you do work in my life and in every person that's here today listening online that we would commit together as a group, as the family of God, that we would work to be more and more truthful and that our words would not have to be conditional that we would hunger and thirst for righteousness. God, that we'd be so different in this way that our world, our neighborhoods, where we work, where we go to school, those things, people would rise up and say, wow, that is different. Why are you that way? And we would be able to share the good news of Christ. So God, help us in that. Lord, I know that uh, anything else your word says comes from the evil one, that Satan will try this week, God, to trip us up. It's funny how that works after a sermon, a study. Satan tries to put roadblocks in our lives. And God, help us to see those for what they are and not succumb to the temptation to step back and recommit again every day. To not swear and have oaths and vows, but to be truthful in what we say and follow through with it. Thank you, God, for your teaching our life words spoken almost 2,000 years ago, and yet it's as if they were spoken today. So God, speak into our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.